Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episodes. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 60, part one of our New Orleans Saints and NFL discussion. This is our playoff prediction and award ceremony chatter here on the Going Going Gooner podcast. As always, drop us a follow at Pod on Twitter. Shout out to our parents, your party station, Z89. I am Kyle, joined by co-host Arjun. But we also have a special guest making his second appearance on the podcast, two years in a row here for the playoff prediction and award chat, Nick Merriam of Boomer Bust Podcast. Nick, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. We're making this an annual thing. We're coming back. We're doing it again. I uh, didn't have a great time last year predicting the NFC, at least, but hopefully we can improve on it in the uh break down what is again just a crazy playoff bracket you know what it's gonna be a better year though because your team is in it and our team is not uh the eagles uh have made the playoffs and you're not an eagles fan oh my gosh my brain broke for a second sorry about that Uh, all right our our mutual friend uh is an eagles fan and you live right outside of philly so my brain broke for a hot sec but that is okay uh we can wallow in our pity together um but quickly arjun uh I'll throw it over to you. Uh, obviously, week 18, the first week 18 the NFL has had, might I add. Uh, second. Second week 18. Why am I forgetting that? 1992, they had two bye weeks. Ooh. What? They did it once, and then they, they, they threw it out. They need to bring it back. They need to have multiple bye weeks again. I mean, I would be down for that. Yeah. Uh, wow. This episode is off to a fun start. We got facts <laughs> thrown out left, right, and center here. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's a little known one for our generation. I feel like that's before us. <laughs> I was like, that was before us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, two bye weeks would be really nice for a lot of teams and also would help deal with record problems. Um, as I feel like we'll probably discuss later with how records work this year. Um, but before we do that, week 18 happened. Um, the, starting off the Saints game, we'll quickly get some notes off of that. Arjun, the Saints beat the uh, Falcons. Um, or should I say the visitors beat the Falcons as they had it on their scoreboard um, in resounding fashion. Um, But what notes do you have from the game? Uh, We won't talk about it too much because it was kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it was about what you'd expect from the Saints-Falcons games. Um, So Arjun, break it down for us. Yeah, before I get started, I just want to say last year's episode we recorded doing our awards and predictions was like my favorite episode we ever recorded. So I'm really excited to get going again. Um, And now going to the Saints... Um, obviously the Saints just, uh, you know, we didn't control our own destiny. Uh, winning the football game was the least we could do to get in the playoffs. We needed the Rams to also win. To get into the playoffs, the Saints did their job on the road against our biggest rivals. Um, great football game for the Saints. I mean, great overall performance. Um, some down notes from it. Taysom Hill suffered a Liz Frank injury, which is a pretty severe foot injury. Taysom has been through a lot this year. Um, sustained a concussion against Nick's very own Washington football team um, and also uh, went through a partial um, plantar fascia tear as well, which is 
more painful than a full plantar fascia tear. Um, and also that mallet finger injury, Taysom was beat up this year. And I think this, this was the nail in the coffin. He is, he's going to be out for a while. He this is an injury up. that takes. He was beat up. He also was beat up because he didn't get the starting job at quarterback this year. Like it has been a wild year for Taysom Hill uh, and the entire Saints quarterback room. I just wanted to check that in there real quick. Yeah. And then it's, it's going to be a long recovery for him. Um, we hope he'll be back sometime next year because he, as we know, when he was out, even when he wasn't starting at quarterback, we saw how big of a part of the offense he was. Um, on the defensive end, Cam Jordan had uh, a great day. Obviously, he always usually does against the Falcons. And um, Paulson Adebo, I mean, the, the one-handed pick, great play by him. He had a really solid rookie year. Excited to see where he goes. Um, I was happy with the pick when he got him. And um, I, I've, been, I've been pretty happy with him as a rookie through this whole year. Um, we'll have a full Saints season recap coming up at some point talking about the craziness that was this year with me and Kyle. Um, but we'll pivot over to the game that the Saints needed, the other game that the Saints needed for the playoffs, um, which was Niners versus Rams, which ended in heartbreak for us. The 49ers won in overtime. Um, the Rams blew a 17 to nothing lead and also gave up a game-tying touchdown at the end of the game. Um, to send it in overtime, the Niners drove 89 yards in 60 seconds gashed through the Rams defense. And I mean, I tweeted it right after it was a gutless and cowardly performance by the Rams in that second half. I mean, they had, they had a division on the line and they let the Niners walk all over them, run all over them in the second half. Um, The Niners, I think are a better football team than the Saints are. I think they deserve that playoff spot, but it was just tough to see it happen like that. Um, but uh, Kyle, you want to talk about that before yeah. we get into the other craziness of week 18? Yeah. And Nick, if you want to chime in as well, go for it. But I just watching this game gave me a headache. I, I had the Saints game on my laptop and on the TV, I had this, the Rams Niners game. And I was, at one point we were winning the Saints and also the Rams were up 17, three and a half. And I was like, this is perfect. We're in, we're in La La Land. We're in dreamland right now. We're doing great. This is awesome. And then just, the avalanche started the Falcons put up points and then the Niners put up points and it was just this okay this is not going well then Taysom gets hurt and then the Niners decide we can run the ball really well and Jawan Jennings becomes Terrell Owens and just destroys any single Rams like DB that's near him I I have never seen a a wackier performance uh Debo Samuel threw a touchdown that happened in this game too. Can we just talk about that real quick? Does everything for them. He what does he not do? Quarterback, <laughs> running back, receiver. Is he Taysom Hill? Does he play special teams as well? Like, I just this game was the biggest headache, and it was we were doing so well, it was so nice, and then you know, Greenlaw, Armstead, Warner, just they got after Stafford, and he. Mm, the last throw of the game was uh, Stafford trying to find, I believe, OBJ down the right sideline uh, and underthrew him a little bit and was picked off by Niners DB. And that is what ended the Rams game and ended the Saints season. Uh, and the Saints, after the game, uh, like were in the locker room watching the game, apparently. And per Blake Gillikin, they all just fell dead silent and were just like, this is, this sucks. And my, Malcolm Jacobs said it perfectly. He was like, we won our game. We did our job. 
it was out of our hands, but man, it sucks. And it blows. Yeah. And, and, Ma- and Matthew Stafford, um, I had him on my fantasy team. He was great for the first half of the season. And then he let me down so many times at the end of the year. It only felt right that he did it one more time. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. People were joking that the Niners or the Rams rather saw that the Cardinals had lost. So they had clinched the division. So they just decided to chuck it down the field just because like, what the hell, why not? Um, yeah. T- tough for the saints. I mean, this year was a testament, I think, to, to what Sean Payton is for the franchise. I think if they had a bad coach right now, they would be in a lot of trouble just with their cap situation. And, you know, they have talent, but, you know, clearly they don't have a clear number one at QB, but they were, you know, the number one seed for a little bit with Jameis Winston. So um, I, I personally don't think they should feel bad if they're back in a situation where they're bringing them back this offseason and running with the talent they have. Um, I don't know about as much about Peyton Turner, but it looks like Pete Werner and Paul Sadebo have worked out somewhat as draft picks here. Um, they, they continue to be run pretty well. Um, it's not a complete panic year for the Saints with all the injuries they've had. They still have a winning record. Um, they had, uh, they swept the, you know, the number two seed Tampa. They beat the number one seed Green Bay. You know, they, these are things that you can take away and then hope that it, the next year it translates to them being better, which I think it will. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of rooting for the Niners to win. I didn't really want to see Trevor Simeon starting in one of our playoff games this weekend. I'm glad the slate is. I'm excited to see the Cowboys play the Niners this weekend. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, I don't blame you, Nick. I don't blame you either, but also I would have loved to see Trevor Simeon and Lil Jordan Humphrey go out there and torch Jalen Ramsey and the Rams. That would have made <laughs> that would have made me the happiest person ever. Because if we'd beaten the Rams, we would have had the Packers, who we torched in week one. I mean, and then if we'd beaten them, we could have had the Bucks. It would have been like a revenge tour. Oh my god, it, that would have it set up for a dream run for the Saints. It was set up to beat the Rams in SoFi. That would have been a fun one because, you know, I'm still hurt about 2018, 2019. Then the next week, the Packers beat them. Screw Rodgers. He doesn't matter to us. Beat the Bucks in Tampa and then go out of the Super Bowl with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I mean, it was a storyline. That's all I'm going to say. And then he would have been paid in the offseason by somebody. <laughs> Someone, the Jags would have signed him as a backup to Simeon for three years, 90 million, pulled up Bears with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Like, it would have been... It's get a comp pick. It would have been yeah. so... <laughs> it would have been so beautiful storyline-wise. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but I do agree. The Saints, uh, this season was rough, and we'll expand on it on our uh, Saints recap uh, episode. Um, but it can't get worse. We can't possibly get more hurt than we have been this year. We have a top 18 draft pick. We have number 18. I mean, we're in a spot to get a receiver, which something we don't have because as we saw this season, Michael Thomas didn't play a single game. And I love Traquan Smith. I love Lil Jordan Humphrey, Marcus Callaway, Deontay Harris. None of them are number twos. So we had a number one out and no number two playing number one, number two. And it was just a pain um, all season. But regardless, we move on to the AFC side of week 18, because this is where um, the, uh, I don't know what the perfect storm of events was occurring throughout the day. Uh, And it started out in the one o'clock window down in Jacksonville, the place the saints played their first game this season uh, dealing with a hurricane Uh, and a hurricane did come through there and the hurricane destroyed all that the Indianapolis Colts had Uh, the Jaguars, Going into it, I believe their last loss at home to the Colts was week uh, was 2014, and they 
I mean, put the hammer down on Carson Wentz. And I will throw it over to the person uh, who saw him play in the NFC East for a long time. Uh, Nick, what happened in this game uh, with Carson Wentz? Well, I think a lot of people get caught up in the box score stats of Carson being, you know, with the 24 touchdowns and eight interceptions or whatever he was at coming into this game. And the fact that the Colts had a winning record and kind of gloss over the fact that they've largely been carried by an above average defense, uh, it's a pretty good pass rush and some of the best, you know, between the tackle run game you see in the NFL today, probably the best this year, just considering the Titans had an injury to Derrick Henry and all the other good run games are based more around, uh, uh, either the Shanahan system or, or quarterback run. So they, they, they were stuck in a situation where they got down early and then Carson Wentz had to bring him back. And as it turns out, Carson Wentz is actually not very good. So you get stuck in a situation now where he's pressing, he's trying to chuck it down the field. He made a couple really nice throws. Paris Campbell had two like big drops as well. So it wasn't all on Carson Wentz, but also some of the turnovers were ugly. Some of the misses on third and second down in this game were really ugly. And he just continues to be the sporadic QB play to play. Like we talk about Jameis Winston as kind of this up and down quarterback. Um, but really, I think Carson Wentz is even more that it's just it is so amazing how he can have games like he did against Arizona, where he just looked like he like outplayed Kyler Murray. And then this week he is just dreadful. And the main reason why the Colts lost and not only did they lose, like they were 15 and a half point favorites and they almost got reversed covered by Jacksonville. They lost by 15 and had to score a backdoor touchdown to get to that point. So th- this is just a nightmare. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of showing where teams who focus around running the ball and defense are in the NFL today. Um, and it, it really kind of brings back to that trade where they sent a first and third round pick to the Eagles for Carson Wentz, uh, paid him a ton of money, uh, and expected a guy that hadn't played great football outside of one year to be uh, potentially this high-end player. And it's just, you can't expect that from a guy who has shown one high-end season. And I think ultimately it, it has come back to bite. And yeah, that, that game, I mean, the Jags had absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, they, they had the number one pick to lose, but the Lions ended up winning. The Jags ended up getting the number one pick. I think uh, they, I mean, it says a lot about the Colts that they needed to win against the worst team in the NFL, a team that is in such disarray that a lot of the fans were wearing clown costumes at the stadium. And all they had to do was win the football game and they couldn't get it done. Um, and, and the Colts, a lot of people were saying they could be dark horses in the playoffs. I don't know that any team would have wanted to play them because that, that defense, like you said, Nick, it, it's, it's above average, but it, it is a really solid defense. They force turnovers at a really high rate. Jonathan Taylor is, was the best running back in the NFL this year. Um, but that's just a really tough way for it to go out. And, and by proxy, um, that helped the Steelers get into the playoffs um, because the Steelers needed the Colts to lose. And once the Steelers won, the Colts were knocked out. Um, but the Steelers, once they won their game against the Ravens, um, I think this is uh, by, by far and away the biggest storyline of the week. They needed the Sunday night football game in um, between the Chargers and the Raiders to not end in a tie. Because if that was a win and in game, that's why they put it on Sunday night football. Um, biggest game of the season for both of those teams. And all the Steelers needed was the game for, to not end in a tie. And it almost happened. The game went to overtime. There was speculation before the game, or not speculation, there was, you know, conjecture before the game that the teams could kneel just the whole game, end in a tie, go home, both teams will make the playoffs. They Both teams played their hearts out. 
I mean, Justin Herbert put up one of the great quarterbacking performances of the season. He was remarkable. And um, I'm so excited to see him continue to play in the NFL. I'm really sad he didn't make the playoffs. But I think it's worth talking through the overtime period and, and talking through, you know, the events that, ha- that occurred in that. And just everyone's mindset as it went in overtime. You heard Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast suddenly talking about the tie. And, you know, you heard this elation in both of, you know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth's voices, like, is this actually going to happen? And I think that's something that everyone, you know, on Twitter in the NFL, you know, circles were saying. So yeah. just talk me through what y'all were thinking during that. Well, I'll firstly say at one point in the fourth quarter, it was 29 to 14 Raiders that Adam Schefter tweeted out. He was like, this game is done. It's over. The Steelers in the playoffs, all these things. And then Justin Herbert and the Chargers just slowly came back or not even slowly, pretty quickly came back. Uh, They put up two touchdowns, the last one to Mike Williams as time expired uh, in the fourth quarter to tie the game sent it to overtime and at this point twitter freaked out i mean i know i saw both of you tweeting on it i saw everyone on it just being like oh my god there's a chance we actually have a tie that it makes no sense this is possible but there is a chance this happens and there's 10 minutes to play in overtime that's all it's going to take for a tie and the raiders get the ball first they get a field goal and it's like okay chargers this weird team where they convert seven fourth downs in the game uh, just somehow just get a field goal. And there's four minutes, 30 seconds left at this point. And I want to turn it over to you, Nick, at that point, what do you think in going into that last like four minutes, 30 of just like, what's happening here? Um, well, I just like to start out by saying that I like to keep PG on Twitter. I don't normally throw around curse words. Um, I had no other way to express this game on Twitter. I just didn't. There's no other way to explain the pure nonsense that was going on. It was just inexplicable that you had a game that, you know, I guess the the figure that was put out there is about a 0.02% chance that a game, a given game is going to tie. Once it gets to overtime, it's like a five to 10% chance. Um, Once you get a tie game after two possessions or both teams kick a field goal and you run down the clock, you know, it's even higher than that. I think we got to a point where it was, uh, I think ESPN had like a 72% chance of time. So I was like many people kind of in the mindset that it was probably going to end up in a tie. We were going to have to face the, uh, the, the reckoning the next morning of just, Oh my God, the Steelers are out because these teams not only didn't try to tie, but just basically ended it by playing a little bit conservative in the end. But uh, ultimately the Raiders figured it out and the divine reckoning was Madden's final year, seeing the Raiders finally get to the playoffs for the first time with their actual quarterback since 2002. Um, just craziness. I mean, it's the game of the year. It is. Um, and I, it's funny because I, there was a, there was a discussion on Twitter the other day about that. And I listed a couple of games I thought were interesting. I was like, well, we got one more week, so I hope nothing happens. Well, here we are uh, with just maybe the craziest uh maybe the craziest game I've ever seen on Sunday night football. It was just, you are never going to have another situation like this where a, two teams are playing conservative in overtime because a tie helps them go to the playoffs because you need this situation where there's been another team who's tied, who you need to get, both get in over. It's the last game of the season and no one else is playing because it's the last game of the season. And it's specifically a wild card spot and specifically like the sixth or seventh. And it, it's just, 
so many variables for this type of thing to happen. It's ridiculous that we're even getting to see it, you know? And what, what was even crazier about it is, you know, something that another thing that we can dis- discuss about it is, is that the timeout that, that Brandon Staley took. And I saw, I saw a lot of discourse about it that, you know, the timeout changed their mind and people were actually spinning what Derek Carr said. Um, Derek Carr, like people were saying that, that, Derek Carr said that the timeout changed their mindset. He actually wasn't even saying that. Um, if you watch the interview, the whole interview, he was saying that their mindset was a winning football game and they were going to, they were going to try and go out and do that no matter what. Um, and so, so Brandon Staley took that timeout um, and, and people were saying that it broke the trust between, between the two coaches and, and the sort of unwritten um, we are going to tie this game, but I think they would have kicked the field goal anyway. And, and Daniel Carlson, um, maybe he would have missed it. Um, who knows? But, but they were going to try for it. Um, and I don't think the timeout really, really played that big of a role in, um, in the outcome. Because they, after the timeout, the Raiders came out and they ran the football up the middle anyway with Josh Jacobs. He just happened to get the first down, happened to get the yardage to put Daniel Carlson in a better position to kick an easier field goal, which he nailed, to, to send the Raiders to the playoffs. But like you said, Nick, I mean, if that game ended in a tie, it would have been the single craziest thing I've ever seen in sports ever, I think. Like, I can't think uh, of something so improbable that, you know, going into the day that you would see the Jags win, the Steelers beat the Ravens on the road, and then the last game of the season ending in a tie after there was one tie for the whole season. Um just insanity. And it, it, you know, it just reminded everybody why we, why we love the NFL so much. Yeah. And I want to quickly note before you go, Nick, which is Jacobs, last run was 10 yards. So it would have been a 57 yarder for Daniel Carlson, which uh, Staley's reasoning was keep it at 57 or possibly get a sack or something and push it back to as far a field goal as possible, which understandable. I believe it took out Kenneth Murray, I believe is who he took out, who has been not great since being drafted by the Chargers. Um, and he took him out to get a better run defense is what he said, but he let up a 10 yard run. And at that point, Al Michaels and Collinsworth were freaking out. They're like, Oh my God, this like, isn't going to end in a tie anymore. What's like, how is this happening? And they were questioning the timeout. Cause it felt at that point from like the two minute warning onwards, it felt like the Raiders were clearly just running out the clock. That's what it kind of felt like to everyone watching the game was they're just running the clock out. They're going to basically kneel it, essentially, but with Josh Jacobs kneeling it uh, almost and just let it run out and then try a 60-plus yarder and just hope for the best. If it goes in, it goes in. If not, we're in the playoffs regardless. Um, And hope that it's not returned or blocked or anything and the Chargers get in. Hope that doesn't happen, but whatever. Um, It, Man, we could have had a tie. I have never wished for a tie in football before until Sunday night. You know, both teams deserve to make the playoff more than the Steelers. Definitely. I mean, they both beat the Steelers, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's, I love the Chargers that did this year. I think Brandon Staley's great. And I, I love Justin Herbert and they had some personnel issues on defense. They really have like two good players on defense and, and, you know, the offense was excellent, but it's, it's not enough when you're that bad on defense, especially in run against the run, which is just a problem they had all night against the Raiders. They couldn't stop the run. Um, if you're hung up on the timeout, uh, there's only two ways I think you can look at it, which is one, either you think they broke some trust agreement, which is just strange to me because like, 
like, what if you have 10 guys, what if you have 12 guys in the field? Like you're going to call a timeout so you don't get penalized, you know, like that's ridiculous. And then the second thing with that is maybe you call a timeout earlier if you think your personnel's bad, but then at that point you're saving more time and then the Raiders have more of a chance to move the ball closer. So that doesn't make sense. And then also the Raiders after getting the first down could have just let, like they called the a timeout to kick the field goal. Like they didn't have to kick the field goal. They could have just let the clock run out and they didn't, they always wanted to win the game. There was no doubts with that. Like, that if you ask the Raiders before that game, that if they're in that situation, what they're going to do, they're going to say, we're going to try and make a field goal because they don't want it to go to Kansas City, who's already beaten them by 20 plus twice this year and embarrassed them terribly the last time they were in Kansas City. So they're happy to be going to Cincy this week. And they, both teams are playing to win. The only scenario in which, you know, they would have gone for a tie is if the Raiders were on, you know, third and long and they weren't in field goal range and they, legitimately the best option was to do that instead of punting the ball away and giving the Chargers any chance. Yeah. And I mean, the, I think the best way to, to look at it is um, the Al Davis never said just tie baby. Never said it. He never said just tie baby. He always said just win baby. Al Davis is the Raiders that his legacy is just win baby. They were never going to try and tie that game, but did we all want to tie? Oh yeah, of course. Like, would I rather see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams in a playoff game over Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, I would. Ben Roethlisberger, I, I, he's been a great quarterback in the NFL. He's been pretty good. Um, I don't want to see him try and lumber around for 40-some-odd minutes. It's just, no, I don't. I'm sorry to anybody who wants to see that. I, no one does. Um, but we'll talk about the playoffs in a second. We are moving to awards chat because we want to get that out of the way. As week 18, as we've said, did wrap up. We will start with the uh, we'll start with some uh, smaller awards where we get to the MVP, because that is obviously the one everyone's here for. Um, we'll start with offensive player of the year. We'll start there. And I'll start with you, Arjun. Who do you have winning offensive player of the year? There are kind of a couple major nominees for a lot of these positions, but this one, there's one or two, I think, that will be discussed. But Arjun. Who you got offensive player of the year? Yeah, the, the two that I were just was deciding against, it wasn't much of a decision, but it was, you know, Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Um, Taylor, you know, on account of missing the playoffs, um, it's tough to put him there. And on account of Cooper Cup becoming only the fourth receiver in NFL history to, to get the triple crown, most receptions, most yards, most touchdowns in a season, this is very easily Cooper Cup. Yep. Um, I agree. Um, I would like to give a little honorable mention to uh, Debo Samuel, who himself had a very, very good season. But uh, what Cooper Cup did this year is arguably one of the best receivers, slot receiver seasons we've ever seen. Um, he was a huge portion of the Rams offense this year, uh, basically outside of their their downfield passing, which even then he was involved in a bit. Uh, he was kind of everything for them. And a lot of, a lot of their offensive scheming was based on getting him touches in space uh, because his quickness and speed allowed him to get a lot of yards after the catch as well. Uh, he and Matt Stafford just had a ridiculous uh, rapport from day one with each other. And it's um, it, it showed, and he is the reason the Rams won 12 games. The biggest reason in my opinion. He is. And I will, I will complete the triple crown by giving him one of our own, which I will also go with Cooper cup. I would like to, by the way, and the reason I think Jonathan Taylor has to get cut down a bit, give a shout out to Derrick Henry. And that sounds dumb, 
but through eight games, he played eight games this season. He finished season ninth in rushing yards. Yep. Eight games, he finished ninth. He was on pace for more yards and more touchdowns than Taylor. I, the fact that he had that many, he's played that well through eight games, just the guy is built different. That I don't think people understand how good he is sometimes. He's he's right now in the rare air for how good a running back he is. Um, and I think that takes down Taylor at least a little bit in my head that Taylor played really well, obviously had more yards per rush and all these things, but Henry finished like after eight games, the ninth best rusher in the NFL is just bonkers. Um, so moving on from offensive to defensive player of the year, uh, there are a few more nominees here. And I will start it off with who my pick is. Uh, I went TJ Watt for mine, uh, tying Strahan's sack record. Um, and the discussion was, oh, but he's doing it in 18 games. Well, he missed two games for this season, so he's fine. Um, he, on that Steelers defense, I mean, 22 and a half sacks in a year. I'm sorry, that that has to at least qualify you for the award bare minimum. And he was lights out for them. He's a big reason the Steelers were in the playoffs. Um so I'm going TJ Watt and before you two go um, or I'll just leave one more comment here, which is anyone who says uh, Trayvon Diggs deserve this award, like GTFO, stop it. <laughs> you, you don't watch football. Clearly. That's all I'm going to say. I think there's a real um, argument from Micah Parsons, but yeah. Micah Parsons, I'll agree to, yeah. but not, not, Diggs. not Trayvon Diggs. No. Stat like that. That is the ultimate stats over performance yeah. award you could possibly give. Um, but I will, I'll throw it to you, Nick, defensive player of the year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to go with TJ Watt. He's probably going to win the award. Um, I just, I'm not a believer in 22 play, 23 plays being the reason the guy wins an award, you know, um, on a play for play basis, I think he had 38 ish pressures this year and converted them into like an absurd, like 60% sack rate, which is just unreal. Um, but really play for play wasn't the most dominant player we saw this year defensively. And I know the Steelers in the playoffs and he's a big reason for it. He had a lot of forced a lot of big turnovers for them in important portions of games against Tennessee. Uh, he forced a turnover that won them a game against Seattle um, in terms of flashiness, like his performance this year was um, I guess behind Trayvon Diggs purely because Trayvon Diggs plays for the Cowboys, like one of the more impressive seasons we've ever seen from a defensive player. Um, but purely from what he does for a defense and in and, and, and performance this year, I'm actually, if I were a voter, I'd vote for Max Crosby uh, because I think the Raiders defense is still just not very good personnel wise. And their pass rush has been really good this year. And it's basically because Max Crosby, a fourth round pick who is basically a, an athletic guy coming out and needed to really shape his game has made that jump this year and became one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Um, and really, we saw in that game against the Chargers, just they could not block him um, when the Chargers were trying to make a game-tying drive against the Raiders. And they had to start putting Steven Anderson, a blocking tight end over there to help Storm Norton out. Uh, Max Crosby was absolutely dominant. Uh, Raiders had their best pass for year, better than even when they had Khalil Mack because they have more reinforcements now than they did then. Uh, in my opinion, Crosby was more important to the defense. Um, and ultimately, their defense – was as important to them as Pittsburgh's did because really Steelers defense wasn't that great this year. It was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, that's a good shout, but I'm going to, I'm going to stay with TJ Watt. Uh, I think um, it, it was a pretty easy decision for me considering um, like you said, the sack rate was, was ridiculous and, and 
he, he is so good off the line and he's so quick as well. I mean, doing that in 16 games, um, 15 games, even he missed two is ridiculous. Um, he also tied for the league lead in, in tackles for loss as well. So, um, but the one thing that was holding me back a little bit was that the Steelers rush defense was awful. I mean, but, but that's not really, um, you know, that's more uh, an interior lineman linebacker sort of deal. And, and TJ Watt was able to get it done in the pass rush. Um, Aaron Donald is a perennial contender. Um, I also want to shout out Michael Parsons and Darius Leonard too. Um, I think they, they had great seasons. Uh, Micah Parsons was, I mean, three weeks ago, if Watt didn't get close to the record, I think I probably would have taken Parsons for this one. He was really, really good. Um, I thought, uh, I thought the Broncos taking Sertan right before, uh, the Cowboys was going to be the Cowboys downfall. Um, but they picked, um, a really, really great player, um, in Micah Parsons. And, you know, I'm sure he will be coming up again in our later, uh, segment. I was going to say, we may as well at that point move on to the rookie slot uh, and we'll do defensive rookie of the year. We'll start off with that one. Um, and I also will add, by the way, in the defensive player of the year category, some of the betting favorites along with Watt and Diggs are Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Nick Bose is also up there. Um, shout out to them. But as I said, we'll move on to defensive rookie of the year. Um, the two betting favorites uh, or the two people up for the, uh, bets that are being taken are Michael Parsons and Patrick Sertan. Um, those are the two that are apparently noted um, on many of the Vegas sites. Um, I will start with you, Arjun. Who do you have for defensive rookie of the year? I, I'm, I'm, insp- I'm suspecting you'll have a, a shock pick here. Uh, yeah, shocker. I'm taking Michael Parsons. Um, Sertan looked really polished um, this whole year. He, w- he had a really solid season. Uh, great pick for Denver. Um, you know, one thing that, that a lot of people were saying when he came out, came out of Denver was that, that, that Denver cornerback room was already pretty deep. Um, but he added to it and he did a great job and, uh, he's going to be a really good corner for years to come. But, but Micah Parsons was stellar, so good, so quick. Um, he's sort of that linebacker safety hybrid kind of guy and, um, he, he can do it all. Uh, he was so impressive this year. A big reason why the Cowboys are where they are is because of Micah Parsons. And that's, um, that says a lot. Plus, you know, the, the defensive work of Dan Quinn as well. Um, but yeah, Parsons is the very, very easy choice here. So Parsons for you. Uh, what about you, Nick, who you got? Yeah, it's Parsons and he's a freak. I mean, the guy ran a four, three at, at larger than normal linebacker size for this period of the NFL He's not just the fastest player at linebacker position. He's the fastest player on that defense. I mean, he is just scary, scary, scary athlete. And uh, it immediately showed, and he's not only, you know, one of the best defensive players. I mean, he is one of the best linebackers in the NFL already. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, He's, you know, early on, we didn't really see the coverage part of his game. He was a dominant pass rusher. He could run sideline to sideline in the run game. And he started figuring out the coverage thing. You know, he, he had a play against Kenny Galladay where he ran with him and broke up a contested catch. Just crazy stuff. Um, uh, and especially in a time where really taking linebackers in the first round is not, you know, the best thing to be doing anymore. I mean, Zayvon Collins, Jamin Davis, not really working out. Guys like Nick Bolton, Pete Warner, Jeremiah Wissakoromo, who probably should have been a first-round pick going on day two, all were very good. Um, it's a difficult position to evaluate. Um, and I think 
Parsons shows that if you're going to take a guy in the first round, you want it to be someone who is just peak, peak, peak athleticism, but also had the production in college. We knew he was great. There were some off-field concerns. That's about it. He stepped into Dallas, fit in perfectly there, and he's just been as impactful as a player from that position could be year one in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. Uh, I, I, again, second time we've done this now in three awards, all trifecta, uh, Michael Parsons. As you said, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and he's just – he turned that defense into a monster. Um, obviously, not just him alone. It helps when Trayvon Diggs gets as many interceptions as he did, and it helps when the rest of the defense plays really well. But it all starts with the linebackers, as we see with the Saints. When we got Demario Davis – he difference he's a difference maker for the team uh and you see it all around you need to have good linebackers to have a good defense it just helps so much with everything and Micah Parsons is a difference maker on that defense um offensive rookie of the year now moving over to that um this is kind of where there might be a little bit of discussion um the top five betting favorites per uh sports books is in no particular order. Mac Jones, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, and Javante Williams. Those are the top five they have. Along with you've got guys like Javante Smith is up there, along with Rashawn Slater, uh, Elijah Mitchell, amongst others. Um, and I will start with you, Nick. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year, who you got? Who's Who are you going with? Well, two things. One, Mac Jones had a kind of rough finish this year. And, and, and two... I thought Justin Jefferson should have won it last year for setting the rookie receiving record and Jamar Chase did it this year. So I'm going with Jamar Chase. Uh, look, the Bengals are cruising. They rolled to division title. It's all because of their passing offense. It's the one dominant unit on that team. And he is the one that, although they have other good receivers and Joe Burrow is obviously awesome as well. The one who fully has unlocked the offense. Um, he's just a stud day one. It's the same thing with Michael Parsons. You look at a top tier receiver in a draft, and you, you think about what a guy could be coming in and this, he's exceeded even those expectations. He's been, you know, a pro bowler and all pro potential type player right from the, right off the bat. And will be one of the best receivers in the NFL going forward. Yeah. I'm also going to say Jamar chase. Um, I'm proud to say I didn't bail on him during the, during the preseason when there was all that dropping discourse about him. But I mean, if you watched LSU play in 2019, that's one of the best offenses in college football history. And Jamar chase is a huge reason why. Um, and, and linking up burrow and chase again in the NFL. Um, honestly, when, when, when the pick happened, I, I, I knew it made sense, but I mean, the, the Bengals O-line still probably could have used a guy like Sewell. Um, but this has paid off so well. Jamar chase is now one of my favorite players in the NFL to watch. He's so much fun. Um, honorable mentions, obviously Mac Jones, um, best rookie quarterback by, by a little bit. Um, and like you, Nick, I think I picked Justin Jefferson last year too. Herbert ended up winning the award, but I think it's worth shouting out the, um, a couple of all linemen, rookie all linemen, uh, Rashawn Slater, Creed Humphrey and Panay Sewell as well. I think those guys are worth shouting out. Yeah. I mean, Creed has been great. I know Slater's also been amazing. Um, also, as I said, Jalen Waddle. Uh, Javante Williams, Najee Harris, amongst others, up for the uh, betting wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all they're all uh, uh, Kyle picks there. Um, Kyle Pitts is doesn't count for anything. Uh, I it's he's no. Uh, uh-uh. I'm 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 sorry to say yeah, it. Great great first name. Don't get me wrong. I mean, really though, you're he, highlighting though just how good of a draft. I think people are gonna 
people are going to talk about how bad it is compared how bad this year is compared. I mean, this offense is, we we're not even talking about some guys who are also, I mean, Christian Darisaw had what a normal good offensive tackle season looks like. Same with Sam Cosme for Washington. He got injured. Like we just had so many top, top, top end talent players come out this year. Uh, I mean, really you're talking about two tackles of all pro potential, a tight end, a few wide receivers, um, quarterbacks. We still haven't seen the ceiling of that. And that's not even talking about the defense yet. You know, it's just, ridiculous draft this is just it, it might be one of, when we're talking about this in 20 years it might be like gee like that was one of the best draft classes of all time it, it was a ridiculous draft um and it's even more ridiculous that uh kyle pitts only had one touchdown reception and it wasn't even in america might i add uh his one td was in london uh pulling himself a julio jones with the falcons um so you know he won't win anything that's what it's saying um Falcon shade aside, though, I'm going to complete the trifecta yet again. Jamar Chase, I mean, you both said it. Um, he's just lights out. The fact that Joe Burrow had him and Justin Jefferson as his two receivers at LSU, that's just wild. Um, it, it should be illegal to be that way. Um, next, speaking of Joe Burrow, we'll move on to uh, comeback player of the year. Uh, there are a few guys up for this award. Um there's a few ways to people can go about this. There's a few specific guys, I think, that are kind of being uh, noted for the award. Um, but we'll look at, obviously, you've got Zach Prescott uh, and Joe Burrow are the two main ones. I will start off. I went with Joe Burrow. Um, I He played consistently. He did amazingly. As you know, that O-line, uh, it was discussed as they should have taken Sewell over Chase, who also, again, had a good year, but it didn't matter for him. I mean, he was amazing all year. Uh, I'm taking Burrow. I answered arguments for a few people, but Joe Burrow is the one for me. Uh, Nick, what you thinking? Well, um, we got the peak of Joe Burrow this year that we were looking for. Um, he really turned into that Tony Romo-esque uh, attack downfield quarterback who showed more mobility. I was worried early in the season. I loved the Bengals, what they were doing after they were an eight or nine win team, and I ended up picking them to win four games because there are all these rumors about his knee uh, being, being a problematic thing. He was still kind of worried about using it. He's feeling a little hesitant on it, which personally, as someone who went through that injury, I know how it can be. It's difficult. There's a big mental aspect to that injury, and he – Stepped right in and played really well right off the bat. And I will say I kind of got onto this one a little bit late. I've had Dak Prescott penciled in for weeks and weeks as my guy. And uh, Joe Burrow really had a great game against Kansas City, a uh, great game against Baltimore at back-to-back weeks of over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions, which might be the best two-week stretch of football you'll ever see a quarterback play. Um, and really, you know, top PFF-graded passer, he is in the MVP discussion after this month of football he's played and uh, is the reason why I think the Bengals are a quietly a Super Bowl dark horse contender. My choice was between Burrow, Prescott, and Nick Bosa. Um, I decided to go with Joe Burrow just because I really like the guy. Um, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I was really high on him coming out of the draft. I think um, the arm talent we saw from him uh, in, um, college was, um, was really good. And I think, um, him going down last year was awful, but I'm so glad to see him, him bounce back in this way because, um, when, when you have a a number one pick pan out, um, we'll see if it continues to over the years, but, but, but the game is better for it. 
and um, Joe Burrow is 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 the Bengals guy for now and for the future. He is so much fun to watch and add Jamar Chase into that equation, and this Bengals team becomes you know a, a neutral's favorite in these playoffs. Get him an O line and he'll be good to go. Um, and as I said, Burrow for me. Um, moving next before we do the MVP to Coach of the Year. Um, before I, I do the award, um, I would like to know on the betting sites, there are 17 coaches listed in terms of odds. Not one of them is Sean Payton. And I think that it's blasphemous. Um, and again, that might be saints bias, whatever the saints team has had an abhorred amount of injuries. I mean, we haven't had a kicker all year. Haven't had our number one receiver all year. We basically without our number two receiver all year, Alvin Kamara was out five games. We've had basically our entire O-line gone all year. Um, the fact that he's not here, we went nine and eight with, at one point, Ian Book played quarterback. Uh, it's, I don't know. I'm mad about that. Do I think he's going to win the award? No. But I think he should be at least listed in the odds. Out of the top however many coaches, there are 17 listed. He's not one of the top 17. I think that's dumb, personally. Um, that's, that's just me. I had to get that out. I'm sorry for the little rant there, but I had to get that out. The betting favorites for coach of the year are Zach Taylor for Cincinnati, Matt LaFleur for Green Bay, Vrabel with the Titans, Belichick with the Pats, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles, and Sean McVay with the Rams. Arjun, we'll start with you, coach of the year, who you got. Yeah, before I get to it, special shout outs to Mike Tomlin and especially Sean Payton. Um, if the Saints made the playoffs, I I would have been choosing between who I picked for Coach of the Year and Sean Payton for Coach of the Year. Um, that's that is definitely Saints bias. I don't think many people outside of Saints fans would have would have considered that. But if the Saints made the playoffs um, at going over 500 with the situations that the Saints had for the entire year, it's nothing short of a miracle, honestly. And 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 we can credit a lot of that to Coach Payton. Um, I was down between Zach Taylor, uh, Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, but I ended up going with Mike Vrabel, uh, for, for the Titans to get the one seed in the AFC and AFC that was really wide open for a lot of the year. He was missing his best player for half the season as well. He had to deal with a multitude of, uh, of injuries in a competitive AFC, a really impressive season for Tennessee. And I hope having them having Derrick Henry back can prime them for a deep run. I think Vrabel did a great job with the personnel he had. Um, but again, I probably would have, it, it was between him and LaFleur for me. I went with Mike Vrabel. Yeah, I had a tough time with this one. Um, I was on Belichick for a while. They had a rough finish, so I don't really know if he's going to be the one that wins it. I think for most people, it's going to be LaFleur or Vrabel. I would lean LaFleur with that because I think with what he did with literally just Adams and Rodgers all year is unreal. And Vrabel, I'm, I question how much impact he really has on the team's offense. Their defense is fine, not great. And they, you know, they play in a, the worst division in football and racked up some wins against some bad teams. I'm not really like, you know, big on, on him as a coach. Ultimately, the guy I landed on is a little outside the box. I'm actually going to take Mike Tomlin here. Um, and I think some people were saying on Twitter today how we might look back on Tomlin's career as a coach as one of the best coaching careers you've ever seen. I mean, the guy's never had a below 500 record, and he's once again in the postseason 
with low average talent. The fact of the matter is the Steelers are not very good and they have not been very good uh, for a little bit now. And Tomlin continues uh, to take sub-average rosters, sub-average quarterback play. Roethlisberger is, you know, by far and away been the worst quarterback of the teams that are in the playoffs this season and has them in the dance again. Um, and I don't know they have much of a chance in the dance, but, you know, they're here. And it's it's a testament to his ability to craft the culture there in Pittsburgh. He's an overseer. He touches everything there. And uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh mentality that they've built through their brand years and years and years uh, is really been embodied by Tomlin. He has been just unreal. And, and I'm honestly surprised that he's only been the two Super Bowls just because of how great he's been. And I think he deserves a coach of the year award again. Yeah, I would also I love that like, pick. that's a great pick. I also like to note, he also is not included on this odds list along that's with ridiculous. Sean Payton. Neither of them are on the list of coaches here. Um, it's Taylor LaFleur, Rabel Belichick, Sirianni, McVay, Frank Reich, uh, Mike McCarthy. Don't think he should be on there, no. but whatever. Uh, Kingsbury, McDermott, no. um, someone I'll mention in a second, uh, Brandon Staley, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, and Kyle Shanahan, uh, plus one more guy who I'll talk about are listed there. Uh, and my pick, who the other person listed there at uh, plus 5,000 odds, um, my coach of the year is Rich Passaccia. Uh, out of the box two. pick, I know. It is a good pick, though, because he is the first interim head coach to lead a team to the playoffs uh, ever. Just for those wondering, that is not something that happens ever. Um, he has taken over a team that realistically everyone like stopped looking at after everything has happened to them this season. Obviously, everything with Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, um, their cornerback Hobbs. Basically, they've had a million things happen this season of off the field problems, and they are still in the playoffs. Them at Allegiant Stadium, their first. Like, real, they look good. They look good. Strong defense, strong everything. He is now legitimately in talks to be a, their coach. Like, he could, he has a shot at actually being their coach. That it, going into this offseason, obviously Black Monday came, or, came and went, and coaches got fired left, right, and center. Um, multiple coaches got fired the day afterwards. Joe Judge of note. Um, and he, the Raiders' job is technically an open one, quote-unquote. I don't think it's open. I think he should be the coach for them going forward. Um, and I think he deserves it. He is my uh, coach of the year, along with you guys, had Tomlin and Vrabel. That leads us, last but not least, to MVP discussion uh, and who should be the MVP. Now, the MVP odds, I will start off by saying, is it's a very strange crop of players. Uh, the top 10 uh, betting favorites are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Matthew Stafford. Uh, and also tied with odds-wise is Derek Carr as well. Um, it's a very weird year um, because throughout the season, certain players were kind of considered, oh, they're MVP locks. And then they'd have a really bad game. And someone else have a really great game. And it just kept going back and forth. So we'll start with you, Nick. MVP, who you got? I think it's between Rodgers and Brady again, and I'm going to go with Rodgers. Unfortunately, his MVP curse of being unable to win a Super Bowl because he keeps winning MVPs is going to continue, I feel like. Uh, 
I, you know, they have they've been so beat up. Like people aren't even talking about this. It's Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. And that's it. And they just, you know, they've been rolling. I mean, they had a couple close games that were scared. I think late season against some beat up teams that couldn't put away Cleveland. Uh, they couldn't put away Tyler Huntley, who got overhyped because of that. You know, couldn't, you, couldn't put away a New Orleans Saints team week one. <laughs> well, you know, and that was their preseason game. They were working out the kinks, you know, and and they they went uh, thirteen and three beyond that, and it just. The guy has not missed a beat since that game. That was their one bad game. Uh, the other losses were, you know, Detroit didn't, I don't think they really cared. Uh, they lost to Minnesota in a, in a shootout where Minnesota played a near perfect offensive game because that's kind of what you need against Green Bay to win. Um, and they lost to Kansas City when they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, you know. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of it. Like what, the one real loss they had outside of New Orleans was Minnesota. And that they needed the, the perfect offensive performance from the run game and passing and Kirk Cousins playing excellent in a late field goal to win that game by a close score. Um, Rodgers has just continued to be the guy we saw last year. He's really gelled in the system after a kind of iffy first year with Lafleur, um, and they just continue to win. I mean, they're they're the home. It's hard to be the one seed in back to back years. I mean, heck, Kansas City couldn't do it this year, um, and here we are. I mean, it's the same old, same old. And, and Kyle, for, for you said, you know, the craziness of the year and, and how, um, how crazy that, that top 10 might seem, it's again down between Brady and Rodgers. And, and like Nick, um, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. It's a close race, um, but the, the things I evaluated were that, that Brady has a much better group around him, and, and that's just a fact. The, he has so many weapons to choose from. Lost a couple of them towards the end of the year. I'll get to that. Um, but Brady also throws the ball a lot more than Rodgers does, which makes valuability a lot more difficult to assess. Um, because if Brady's throwing the ball a ton, that means he's valuable to his team. Um, but when he, when you have the weapons that he does, those other guys are, the ball's getting spread around. He's got a lot of guys to go to. Um, I think Brady's performance in key games against New Orleans twice and against Washington are what tips the scale for me. Um, Brady threw for 375 yards, four touchdowns, but two picks against New Orleans in the first game. And we all know what happened in the second game. He got shut out. Um, and, and the game against Washington as well, that, uh, that loss right after the first Saints loss, um, Brady threw for 220 yards, two touchdowns, and then again, two picks. Um, so those are losses that you didn't see Aaron Rodgers really getting. I mean, week one, the loss to the Saints was really bad. We know that. Um, but the other games that the Packers lost were to the Chiefs. Rodgers didn't play that game. Against the Lions, Rodgers didn't play half of that game. And against the Vikings, like Nick said, uh, Kirk Cousins played a near-perfect game. And, and so did Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers threw 23 passes for 385 yards and four touchdowns, no picks. So, I mean, his team got the one seed. He was missing one of his favorite targets in Robert Tunyon. He didn't have Bakhtiari on the O-line. It's close, but I'm, I'm giving it to Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, y'all are yanking my chain. May as well make it three for three. Aaron Rodgers, uh, just as you said, Arjun. In the losses, Brady just... Like wasn't Brady was part of the reason his team lost in the losses Rogers had. He wasn't the reason his team lost. He lost because the other teams played amazingly. Um, so I got to give it to Rogers yet again. 
Also, on this note, just quickly, uh, outside of the top 10, the other betting people on here, uh, also listed for some reason is uh, Mac Jones is on here, along with Jimmy G, Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Big Ben. And then I, I know one that we love to have just for, for fun should win this, Debo Samuel is also on this list. Um, that's the other group that is on the betting favorites for MVP, which is a wild list when you start going down it. Um, and and Kyle, yeah. Kyle, one more one more thing I'd like to add about Rodgers that I forgot to. He threw two picks against New Orleans and then threw two picks for the rest of the year. That's insane. It's ridiculous what he was able to do. But Arjun, he didn't have to play the Saints twice. That's going to be the argument from every Bucks fan. Sorry, not sorry, Bucks. Uh, you put up a total of one and a half points over. Uh, it comes in total against the Saints this season. Three in two games. At least the, the Rodgers had three in one game. Okay, better than putting up off. Kyle, Kyle, they, they put up twenty-seven on us in the first game. Oh, it was thirty-six to twenty-seven. You're thinking last in New, in New Orleans. Orleans. Let's 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 avoid two, two home games. They have now scored one and a half points per game. Uh, That's yeah, what I meant. There we go. You know, you know, it's it's okay. Um, it's it's been a long day for Kyle. <laughs> um, and you know, we'll we'll move on from that uh, to playoff discussion. So. Obviously, as we said, week 18 was a bit bonkers for every possible reason. Uh, and the shaping out of the playoffs and seeding also took effect um, in the games on the, in the NFC. We'll start there. We have the Eagles going to Tampa. Uh, we have the Niners in Dallas. And we have the Rams against the Cardinals. Um, those are the games we're looking at in terms of who is where. And on that uh, Cardinals-Rams game, it is being played in, if I can quickly find it, it is being played in SoFi in LA because, as we said, the Cardinals lost uh, in the last week of the season to Russell Wilson and whatever happened to that uh, Seahawks offense uh, in the last week of the season. So the Rams clinched the division. So they have the home seed uh, against the Cardinals. So I will start with the Eagles Bucks game. Where are we thinking? Uh, where are we picking? I'll go first. Uh, the Eagles didn't beat a playoff team all year. The Bucks are gonna the Bucks are gonna route them, I think. I don't think it's gonna be very close. We I, I think we said the same thing last year about when the Bucks played Washington and Taylor Heineke gave up put up a fight. I don't think we're gonna see a repeat. I think the Bucks are gonna win this game by at least 20. I think the Eagles will put up a little bit of a fight just because uh, Tampa's edge players are out, and I just watched Washington without edge players just get pushed around. And Philly knows how to attack them in the run game, and uh, Jalen Hurts can take advantage of not having contain and just scrambling it because that's, that's their offense anyway, so just having Hurts extend plays and throw the ball downfield once he has time to let his receivers get open. Um, and besides that, they need to run it. Um, the issue is I think Tampa's linebackers are good enough. They don't think the Eagles are going to run the ball so well that they keep scoring. Um, I do think Tampa wins, but, uh, I don't know that the nine and a half line is exactly something that I'd be laying the points with, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, but I'm picking the bucks. I, the Eagles, they're just happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are happy to be here. Um, I also bucks again, it's just, that's never going to be a good matchup for the Eagles in all honesty. They're, they're being put in the worst possible position. Um, is there a, would I be betting on this game? No, 
as you said, the betting line is not fun. Um, but I, the Bucks should win this game. They should win handily. Uh, and then they'll get whoever the second worst seed is after this week. And then moving on to San Fran and Dallas. Uh, this is, in all honesty, the game people are talking about the most because there is a belief the Cowboys have a very strong shot at losing. Um, and I'll start with you, Nick. Where are you going in terms of this game? Who are you picking? Give me some uh, background here. Well, I think it's there's a little bit of pause with Dallas because their last five games of the year were um, beat up on Washington, but Dak didn't play well, and they had to kind of stifle off a late rally. Uh, played a kind of ugly game against the Giants that they squeak they didn't squeak by they won by 15, but like it's kind of hard to only beat the Giants by 15, you know. Um, then they got Washington off of you know, COVID, short week, uh, tragedies to their players, wanted a car crash, wanted their brother murdered, you know, Sunday night at home, hey, let's route them, that's easy. Um, then they lost the Cardinals at home, who haven't been their best either. And then they beat up on the Eagles, uh, who they're playing their backups. So there, there's kind of this thing with them where they just haven't really – I mean, their two great games have a ton of caveats to them. Now I'm still going to play tick tick the Cowboys because I, I think that they are ultimately one of the most talented rosters in football um, just on paper. Um, and I think at home is going to help them. They need Dak to be on point and they need to not make major mistakes on offense. And it's going to take some turnovers from defense. That's been the formula all year. And that variance is difficult to replicate. And they just have, um, they need that and they need it every game if they want to go on a Super Bowl run. But uh, I think at least for one game, they'll do it. It doesn't feel like a team that's going to be one and done. And I love the Niners. I love what they're doing. But I do think there are possibilities that Jimmy Garoppolo can fall flat. And I, I think it's more likely than Dak Prescott falling flat. I think this is the game this week that I'm most excited for. Um, because it's two teams with, with offensive weapons that that are really fun to watch. Um, and, you know, the guy I'm thinking about on the Niners is obviously Debo Samuel. And the guy on the Cowboys is I love watching Dak Prescott play. I, I think he's a, a top tier quarterback um, used to be a little bit of a Dak hater, but I, but I, but I came around, I think. Um, but like you said, Nick, this team doesn't feel like they're one and done. I think um, they, they've really put it together. And I think Dak will, will play um, at his highest level um, in these playoffs um, at least for a game or two. So I'm going to take the Cowboys but this is the this is one I grappled with. Um, I, I think this is the one I had the, the hardest time choosing because the Niners have beaten really really good teams this year, and um, and they've they've been able uh, to pull wins out of a hat, you know, like they did against the Rams in, in the final week, and they have the weapons to do it. It'll all be down to Jimmy G and 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 who he decides to throw to. Uh, who he decides, uh, which corners he decides to target, um, the reads he makes. Um, I think their performance will, will hinge on him. I don't think you can just run down the Cowboys' throats like they like they did against the Rams. Um, they're not going to be having that. Uh, but in the end, I'm going to say Dallas takes it. Well, I am the first one to go against the grain here. I'm picking the Niners. I just – I think what you said, Nick, which is that the Cowboys have to force turnovers – I think this is the one game they just don't. I, again, I don't know what it is. It's Jimmy G 
is has been all year. There's been shouts of start Trey Lance, start Trey Lance. And I think a little bit at the end of that last game, especially against the Rams, it, he just, he had himself a game. He had him, he played lights out towards the end of it. And I think that energy from him and the Niners team continues into this game. I think Debo Samuel tortures whoever is going against him, if it's Trayvon Diggs or whoever else it is. I think he tortures them uh, on when they're on defense and he's on offense. I think the Niners win. They go into Jerry World. They're kind of playing with house money. Um, going in there, Dallas is this huge. Before the year, everyone's like, oh, they should win everything. They should always win everything. And going into Dallas, like you can, you can put up points and just have fun. And if they have fun in Dallas, this game is going to go sideways really quickly. Um, I, I'm picking the Niners. Uh, and then a battle, as we've said, of the other NFC West teams, Cardinals, Rams in SoFi Stadium. Uh, I'll get us started. I They split the season series, I believe, 1-1. Uh, I am taking the Cardinals. As Nick has said, both teams haven't been playing well towards the back half of the year. They've both been really weird. Um, I just think the Cardinals are going to get it done. Um, I think, again, going away from home is going to be fun for them. Um, and I think they're going to be the ones to do it. Um, and I think the Rams just, I don't know, last week was really bad in the second half of that game. And I just think, again, momentum, they're not feeling good. They should have clinched the division on their own. They had to have the Cardinals lose, which happened because Russell Wilson uh, in two weeks combined put up over 80 points, which hadn't happened all year. Um, I got, give me the Cardinals over the Rams. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking? So J.J. Watt might be back, which is a huge one for the Cardinals. Um, Rams with Von Miller just were unblockable against the Cardinals last time these two teams played, though, so they couldn't really do much on offense. Arizona. I feel like I'm going to pick this game wrong no matter who I pick. Like, I just don't think there is a way I get this game right. Um, so I'm going to throw up a bone to my friend Donnie over there at Boomer Bus, who's a Cardinals fan, and I'm going to pick the Rams so the Cardinals can win this weekend. I, either way, I think that the winner of this team, this game is losing to the two whoever they play next week. But uh, yeah, I, I think both teams have been underperforming. There's a chance one of them shows up and the other doesn't. And it's a blowout. I flip a coin. I don't know. Like uh, home team, I guess, take the Rams. I'm picking the Cardinals simply because I don't want the Rams to win. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take Arizona. And and I, I really, really like Kyler Murray. Um, so uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals. But like you said, I think – I think I think whoever wins this game is is eventually um, going to end up losing to you know they'll play Green Bay so and we will get there in a second uh, or actually we'll do it right now we will do the rest of the NFC before we get to the Super Bowl uh, so everyone's got their own brackets because obviously we each had different picks here or there um, so for me my matchups I have San Fran going into Green Bay and the Cardinals going up or down to Tampa. Um, I will start off. I think firstly, Green Bay is going to torch the Niners. I think that's the game again. As we said, Rodgers is just going to be Rodgers. I think he gets it done for them. And then the other matchup for me is Tampa, Arizona. Honestly, I don't think Tampa sustains it. I don't know what it is. I think Brady has looked human at points this season. And I also, again, as everyone knows, I'm a noted hater of the Bucks. I'm going to bet against them. I think uh, the Cardinals 
continue their momentum. They look good in the playoffs. They play well. They win the game. And they get to the point where there is a chance to have Hopkins back in the last two games of that season if they can reach the championship and Super Bowl. I think they get to that point where there is a legitimate chance he comes back, and that gives them some hope. Um, so give me Green Bay and Arizona in my uh, second round of the playoffs here. Uh, my matchups, I've got uh, the Packers playing the Cardinals in the divisional round, and I've got the Bucks taking on the Cowboys. I'm going to say the Packers beat the Cardinals, and I'm actually going to say the Cowboys get it done. Um, they played – these two teams played each other in week one. Um, it ended, I believe, on a last-second field goal um, with uh, the Bucks taking the win. And both teams have changed a lot over the course of the season. But I think, I think this might be the year the Cowboys win more than one playoff game. And I think they'll get to the NFC Championship and set up a very interesting Packers versus Cowboys matchup, which has a lot of playoff history in the last 10 years. Yeah, so I got Packers, Rams, and, and Cowboys, Bucks. I think the Cow or the Packers would, would beat the Rams by three touchdowns. I, I don't think that would be particularly close. Um, I just don't think the Rams are built to win in the playoffs. Uh, but the other game is really interesting to me. The Bucks are kind of beat up. Um, but they're trying they're getting their edge guys back. So I don't know if they're beat, but they're beat up at his receiver. Um, and just the thing that I've learned, you know, year after year is that uh, Tom Brady, it doesn't really matter who he's throwing to. Um, so I don't know how worried I am about it. The, the thing that could give the Buccaneers issues at any point, this is always the thing with Tom Brady is if they get down early pass rush could be an issue. So if they have any O-line injuries, or if they're going up against a dominant pass rush and Dallas has a good pass rush, but to me, it's not good enough for them to go on the road and win a game where, again, I think Dallas is, you know, also last time they played Tampa, they got some kind of weird turnovers off of like a, a screen that went off of Fournette's hands for Trevon Diggs's first ridiculous interception of the year, uh, first of many. And then, you know, they had a couple of their fumble recoveries. I think if if Tom Brady looking back in that game will be like, all right, we're going to not we're going to make sure we don't do anything stupid like that. So I'm going to, you know, go chalk kind of here and take Tampa and set up for another Tampa Green Bay rematch here in the NFC Championship game. Tampa Green Bay for you, uh, Dallas Green Bay for Arjun, and I have Arizona Green Bay. The one common theme here is the Packers, if no one could see that. Um, for me, in this game, I think it's where the, the clock runs out for the Cardinals and Rodgers. They're getting back Alexander. They're getting back Zedarius Smith. They're getting back basically everybody at the right time for them. They're all coming out uh, of IR and they're all getting healthy at the exact right time for this Packers team to start in the playoffs. I just think the Packers are going to be too much. I, I think Rodgers and the squad make the Super Bowl. Uh, winning it is something we'll discuss later, but I think they make the Super Bowl. I think Green Bay takes down the Cardinals. Uh, Nick, what is your fate for this Packers team? Oh, um, yeah, I don't like this matchup for the Packers. I, I haven't all year and I know the Bucks are beat up and I don't think receivers really matter in this game because I, I think Green Bay doesn't have the pass rush to take advantage. And I think you need a team that can get up early and then pass rush Brady. And I, you know, the Packers to me have been a team in playoff games who uh, I think it happened with the Rams. It happened with Tampa. 
last year, they get off to slow starts. And I think if they're down and against the Bucs again and they're pressing, the Bucs have a ton of defensive backs they trust, and all of a sudden you're forcing Rodgers to throw the ball downfield. He really uh, has done a good job of spreading the ball around, not just pressing downfield in this LaFerre system. It's kind of how it works. But when you're trailing by a couple of touchdowns, you might have to do that. So I, I, I honest to God, think if you're a Packers fan, you need to hope that this isn't the matchup just because I think Green Bay is a better team than Tampa, but I don't think they match up well with them. And I, I do think that if it ends up being this again, I think the Bucs are, you know, unfortunately for you Saints fans, going to win and go back to the Super Bowl again. I originally had Packers Bucks in my NFC Championship, but I but I changed it um, to Packers Cowboys, pretty much exactly because of what you said, Nick. I don't think the Bucks are a good matchup at all for the Packers, and simply again because I don't want the Bucks to make the Super Bowl, I'm going to scheme it to where the Packers do. So I think the Packers will take down the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. So that is the NFC side of the bracket, and we'll get to the Super Bowl in a little bit. Then we move over to the AFC. We have Pittsburgh going into Kansas City. We have New England heading up to Buffalo, and we have the Raiders heading to Cincinnati uh, for a, a wild matchup. But that'll be the one we do last out of these three. We'll start old man Ben Roethlisberger heading out to face Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Nick, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about this game? Obviously, you've kind of said it. Pittsburgh, not a great team, but uh, give me your, your your feelings on this one. Well, I mean, so you guys remember when Dan Marino uh, played his last game ever, and it was in Jacksonville and the playoffs, and they lost like 62-7, to and he was – he threw a couple of picks and just was terrible. I, I think we're unfortunately, very unfortunately for Ben Roethlisberger too for something like that. I think this might get ugly. Um, they lost by 26 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they it could have been more and scored a touchdown at the end of the game to make it look closer. Um, losing by 30 points in a regular season game is never a, a good thing. Uh, <laughs> trying to project to playing again on the road in the playoffs. I this is uh, to me the, uh, the the bad game this week. I think uh, we had one last year, which was the Saints game uh, against the Bears. I think this is this this year. I, I don't. This could get worse than that Saints Bears team to, game too, because I think Mahomes might just light them up. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say the Chiefs, and this was probably the easiest one to pick out of the lot. Um, just because, I mean, Bucks Eagles was also pretty easy to pick, but just because Washington gave the Bucks a little bit of a fight last year, I think the Bucks could come off to a slow start and then ramp things up as the playoffs go on. But I mean, literally three weeks ago, the, the Chiefs trounced the Steelers and nothing much has changed um, in either camp, um, except for maybe the Steelers are a little happier that they made the playoffs. But, you know, Big Ben's not getting any better. Um and the, you know, Patrick Mahomes torched them last time they played. And I, I, I think he does it again. Yeah. Chiefs by again, at least 20. Yeah. I, I'll just wrap that up very swiftly, which is, yeah, the chiefs are going to uh, um, hurt the Steelers in a way the Steelers haven't hurt before. Um, this might get ugly really, really fast. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see on that next the interdivisional matchup yet again, New England, Buffalo, neither team wanted to face the other one. Um, this is a matchup that is uh, 
been kind of fun to watch this year, but only because Bill Belichick against the Bills is always interesting. Um, we'll start with you, Arjun. Uh, where are you feeling in terms of New England-Buffalo divisional matchup? Can go a lot of ways. Uh, talk me through it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the 3-6 matchups in this Super Wildcard weekend are, are the two best games um, on the NFC and the AFC side. I, I think Bills-Patriots is going to be a lot of fun just because of all the storylines and because Josh Allen is playing. Um, he's so much fun to watch. Um, I love Josh Allen. And it, it's really hard to bet against the Patriots. Um it's really hard to bet against Bill Belichick in this kind of situation, but we got to remember that the, the Patriots first win against the bills this season was, you know, that, that crazy windy game where Mac Jones threw what was it? Three passes all game. That was always destined to be a game that you could sort of just say, you know, that's not a real football situation. Right. And, you know, Bill Belichick is a genius for winning that football game, but it's not going to be a similar situation. The Bills have a better roster than the Patriots. Um, the Bills, I think, are top five in both offense and defensive metrics. They are a very, very strong football team. And I think they get it done. And I think the Bills finally take down the Patriots when it matters. You know, we, we all go to Syracuse. We're all in upstate New York. Uh, given one to my Bills fans, uh, to, to Bills Mafia, I grew up in New England. I, I grew up in Connecticut, which is, you know, part of either half Boston or half New York. Uh, so a lot of my friends are Patriots fans. Uh, and I do not want to see them happy um, in the nicest way possible. Um, if I could pick one team to lose out of them or Tom Brady and the Bucks, I would pick the Patriots all day. Um, so in this case, when the Bills are coming into town or New England's coming into Buffalo, in this case, I just think Buffalo is going to want, want it. Last year, obviously, we saw them in the playoffs. They played real well. Uh, give me the Bills over the Patsies uh, in this one. And that leads us to, I personally I gotta, think I got to make a Bills Pats pick, sorry. Oh, you got to um, make your Bills Pats yeah, pick. I'll make, make, make quick. Uh, I, you know, the more I thought about this one, the less I thought it was close. Um, New England needs you to play kind of below average football to beat them. Like they're a run first team. Mac Jones is good. He hasn't played his best football lately. Um, you know, they're probably not going to use them a whole lot. It's going to be five degrees of kickoff freezing. We're all used to that. Uh, I think the bills are running the ball better lately than they have been in the beginning of the year. Everything's kind of woken up for them outside of passing offense has been inconsistent. If they hit a good game, they're probably going to win this game by a lot. Like the last time they played in new England, if they don't, then they just got to kind of limit the turnovers. I feel like they can do that. Uh, and I, I think they'll win. So they'll win. And that again, moves us on to the next matchup, which is my personal favorite game of any of these, which is the Raiders against the Bengals. Uh, one that I think if you said before the year was going to happen, I don't think many people would have said that's, that's going to happen because that would have required one of them to win a division. And neither of them was thought to have a shot in their divisions. Um, but it's happening. Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, what a matchup we have here. Um, and I'll kick us off. I love the Raiders. I love the Bengals. It's that Cincinnati offense is just for me too good. Um, T Higgins along with Jamar chase, along with basically everyone else. They have an offense. They have a, a top running back in Joe Mixon. We'll obviously have Joe Burrow. Uh, you've got CJ Uzoma at tight end. Who's good. Not Darren Waller, but he's good. Um, 
and a, a billion other weapons on that team, Tyler Boyd amongst others. I just think they're going to be too much uh, for that Raiders defense to handle. Again, Max Crosby has been amazing this year, but I just think Burrow's too much. Uh, give me the Bengals against the Raiders. Nick, what about you? Yeah, I like Cincinnati. Um, the Raiders might have some something here with their pass rush against that Bengals O-line, but the Bengals ultimately last time they played and both offenses really didn't have anything going. Um, we're able to just kind of run the ball, and they, they did that as the Raiders are kind of a weird team in that they, they can rush the passer, but they don't really have much of a run defense. Um, and on the other side of the ball, I do think Derek Carr can get it going. There was something that was tweeted out today that Derek Carr splits um, above 40-degree weather and below 40-degree weather. It's it's like ridiculous. Like the guy is an elite elite quarterback when it's warm and when it's cold, he's just not good. Um, and so I'm kind of you know this is going to be like a below thirty degree game. I'm kind of thinking that you know the Raiders going into blustery Cincinnati, it could be a you know a game where both teams need to pound the ball. Raiders offensive line is also not good. Um, I think the Bengals uh, will control this game. So, so you're using some Drew Brees logic, which everyone always was like, he can't play in cold weather. You're using that logic right there is what I'm hearing. Yeah, but there's real numbers on this one. I don't know about the freeze one. I, just, I know that, you know, it was his, um, his PFF grade um, below 40 is like 50.1. And when it's it's warm out, it was like 87. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is quite the gap. Uh, Arjun, what about you? Wrap up our, our first round chatter here. Yeah, to round us out, again, this is just because I want it to happen. I want the Bengals to make a run. Um they are, they are the team I'm rooting for the most um, in, in these playoffs. Um, so you will see them make a little bit of a run. Well, that was, I would personally say, quite easy to, to figure out there. We each went. We each have one through four left. Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, obviously Tennessee had the bye, which means it is Tennessee versus the Bengals and Kansas City versus Buffalo. Uh, Kansas City and Tennessee are the home teams for their games. We'll start with the 2-3 matchup with the Chiefs and the Bills. I'll start with you, Arjun. Uh, what do you think about this game? A matchup many people have wanted to see, obviously a rematch, um, and a, a fun game coming up here uh, in Kansas City. Bills-Chiefs is always a lot of fun, just because these are two of two generational arm talents at, at quarterback um, in um, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, I think the Bills' defense is really, really strong, and 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 I think they're they're one of the more well-rounded teams in the NFL. But I just think Arrowhead is a fortress, and I think they get it done. I think the Chiefs will beat the Bills in uh, the divisional round and get themselves into the AFC Championship. I am going to agree with you. Um, last time these two teams played in Arrowhead, it was kind of a game that was controlled by Buffalo uh, for a couple of reasons. One, Kansas City's offense was in a bit of a struggle early in the year, and uh, Buffalo's pass rush really took advantage of a Kansas City offensive line that was still meshing. We knew a lot has been talked about how much they had to replace uh, four starters on their O-line this year. Uh, more than that, might be the whole O-line, I think, is Lucas Niang's been playing a good amount. Um, and they've meshed, and they've been actually really good down the stretch, so I don't think the Bills will be able to control the game that way this time and if you just leave these quarterbacks against each other i do think mahomes is better than josh allen so i'm gonna pick the chiefs you know what you two like yourselves um kansas city i personally uh am gonna go buffalo i i'm feeling it 
I'm feeling a fun one here. Um, I think, as you said, their one inconsistency has been their pass offense. I think they have a bit of a vendetta. They get, they get quote unquote angry. And I think Diggs and this Bills team light it up uh, in Arrowhead. I think the Bills win, making it an interesting um, experience for if uh, Cincinnati could beat Tennessee. Uh, and move on to that one, Cincy, Tennessee. Um, this is a matchup I think is also, again, quite fun for a lot of reasons. Again, this is most likely going to be the return of Derrick Henry, uh, which he hasn't played for eight games. As we've said, he played eight games, and that was it this year. Um, so him coming back from the injury he is is absurd to think because as reported by Schefter when it came out on the spot and a lot of other people was like, oh, done for the year. He's back. He's back, baby. Uh, so I'll start with you, Arjun. Tennessee versus Cincinnati Bengals. Who you got? This is so tough. I mean, with with, with the Titans having Derrick Henry back, that is a, a really good offensive unit. Um, they've got weapons out wide, and obviously Derrick Henry is the biggest weapon you can have. Um, my concern is how that defense will perform against the weapons of the Bengals. And um, I think this is a tough one to pick because it, it's, you know, I haven't really seen much of the Titans this year. Um, after, after Henry went down, I think they flew really far under the radar, um, which is why, you know, Vrabel is up there for coach of the year. He, he quietly led them to, um, to the one seed, but I think the Bengals get it done. I don't, I, I think. I think that offense will be the difference because I think the offense is just a bit more well-rounded Burrow's obviously a better quarterback than Tannehill to me. Mixon and Henry are not very close, but they're not as far apart as a lot of other matchups that you would see in, in the running back department. And uh, Jamar Chase obviously has been incredible, but, but T Higgins recently has been playing out of his mind. And I think that's going to be a huge reason Burrow can, can spread around the ball a little bit more with Higgins. He's obviously also got Tyler Boyd, always a sleeper option. And CJ Uzama has been playing really well too. I think just with the way this Bengals season has been going, it's all coming together at the right time. And I think with a lot of these other teams, um, you know, like with the Rams and the Cardinals, they were really good early, early in the season, but they fell off a little bit as the season has gone on. The Bengals have ramped it up. They're, they're putting all the pieces together. Everyone's playing really well. Um, and I think the Bengals will take this one. I agree. I like the Bengals. Um, quarterback play, better in, in Cincinnati. Um, secondary play, better. I think the Titans need A.J. Brown to have uh, games like he did on Thursday Night Football against the Niners for them to really go on a run. And, I, you know, we talked about it earlier. I think they kind of, you know, bad division – Chiefs and Bills couldn't get their their stuff together, you know, early in the season. Uh, that, that that's the reason of the number one seed. If we run run this back last week and the, and the, the Colts and the Chargers win, which were uh, teams at Vegas liked a little more than the Raiders and Steelers, um, they actually had it that the seven teams in the playoffs, the Titans, even as the one seed, had the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl. Um, they're you know they're good. I don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't feel I don't want to disrespect the Titans. Like they could very well go on a run here if Derrick Henry's playing his best football and the O line run blocks well. But you know there are there are issues here. The defense has kind of been like Cowboys light, and that they've had a bit of a pass rush, not as good as the Cowboys. They force some turnovers, not as many as the Cowboys. 
quarterback play. Tannehill's good, not great. And their O-line can run block, but it's really a not good pass blocking unit. Um, they can be given trouble by some of the best pass rushers for sure in the playoffs. And I, I just think that the, the Titans have been playing well down the stretch, but I think the Bills have been playing really well down the stretch, or the Bengals have been playing really well down the stretch. And I think uh, it, Joe Burrow is the difference, and I, I'm going to pick Cincinnati. Picking Cincinnati, so both of you have Kansas City, Cincinnati uh, in your AFC championships, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this leads me to my pick. I am also going Cincy. Um, I think we don't get a fully 100% Derrick Henry. I think it's kind of the big thing. I think they might try and feed him too much, and that may backfire if he doesn't play well. Um, and I just think, as you said, Cincinnati's playing hot right now, and I think they that young core of obviously Chase and Burrow just lift up a lot. They have a lot of energy. They're feeling good. And as we've seen in the past, when a, a, a young group is playing really well, as we saw with Mahomes in general in Kansas City that first time they went to the uh, – AFC championship game just when you're playing well and you're playing hot as an offense you keep it going and they have too many weapons to stop i think they win and for you too as we said sets up kansas city cincinnati in arrowhead for me it sets up cincinnati in buffalo um i will go after you to go because you have the same matchups uh arjun starting off with you kansas city cincinnati arrowhead uh who you taking who's going to the super bowl i'm going to say the chiefs um, like, like the Bengals ha- have put it together down the stretch. So have the chiefs. Um, and, and when you consider both of those, I think Kansas city has, um, a more talented roster by far. And, um, I think they also have better coaching. And I think that this will be, um, the end of the road for the Bengals, because obviously I think the chiefs are the Bengals. I think right now they're, they're one and three in the AFC probably. I think the bills are probably at number two and um, just because those are the teams that are informed that are, that are, that are playing really good football. I think they'll make it there, but I think the chiefs just have that edge. And again, arrowhead is a fortress. They, they were unlucky not to get home field advantage, but they'll be bailed out by the fact that the Bengals will beat the Titans and it'll set up a match at arrowhead. And um, I think the chiefs will head back to the super bowl for the third straight year. People were getting tired of the Patriots hosting a bunch of AFC title games. So this would be four straight years at Arrowhead for the AFC title game. Um, since he did beat Kansas City, I think they have a good shot in this game, but it was a little fluky. Uh, Kansas City was heavily penalized in that game. They easily cut down on that. Um, they, they had some three and outs that I, I don't think were characteristic of a team that has had the least amount of three and outs of any team this year. Um, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to throw for 500 yards again. Uh, that just doesn't happen ever really at all. So uh, considering that to, that was what they needed to win a game by three at home. Um, I do think Kansas city on a neutral field or in Kansas city is the better better team. And um, I, you know, Mahomes, it's just inevitable is going back to the Super Bowl. So you two both picking Kansas city, you know what I'm feeling, I'm feeling different today. Um, I have, as we've been going, I haven't updated my list. I haven't changed it one bit and I'm trusting the process. I'm trusting Joe Burrow probably too much in the, um, championship game for me He's going against Buffalo in Buffalo. I think this is very reminiscent of that chiefs hosting the Patriots that in this case, it's Buffalo hosting the Cincinnati and that the bills would go in a bit overconfident. They can get it done. And, 
I just think there's going to be mass riots in Buffalo after their loss. Um, and I think Cincinnati gets it done. They get the win and they go on to the Super Bowl um, into a matchup for me with Green Bay, which will be very fun to watch. Um, so Super Bowls now, Super Bowl picks and predictions. Nick, you have Kansas sitting in Tampa as always, as expected. Um, and then Arjun, you have Green Bay and Kansas City, Battle of the QBs. I have Green Bay, Cincinnati, Battle of the uh, Great Lakes. Um, I will start with you, Nick. Tampa, Kansas City. Talk to me here. Kind of the, I'm not going to say it, but boring. Um, extremely boring. You can expected, say it. I, I yeah, agree. Extremely boring picks. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Talk me through who you who you pick in uh, in in the in the bowl here. Uh, I mean, this is my preseason pick. A lot of people's preseason pick was this. A lot of people were picking the Chiefs though, and I picked Tampa preseason. Um, and I'm trying to come up with reasons to pick Kansas City here because I really don't want to pick the Bucks. Um, but I also feel like if I pick the Bucks, that means they won't win at all. Uh, just knowing my <laughs> history of picking uh, Tom Brady when I pick him to win this, it's kind of the same thing with Alabama, by the way, I have like never picked a, a college football playoff national championship game correctly. When Bama's been in it, when I pick them to win, they lose. When I pick them to lose. They win. So it's the same thing with Tom Brady. If I pick him to win the Super Bowl, he's going to, he's going to fall flat. So, you know, and I honestly believe uh, again, Kansas city does not have a dominant, it's a better pass rush than they've been going up against. I don't feel comfortable with the, with the chiefs. Uh, I, I think the most consistent team uh, in a year where there's just not a great team is going to end up winning it all. So I'm, um, you know, I hate to come on here and pick the hated Buccaneers to win it all, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, I, I will be with you popping champagne if they get knocked out though. So we'll do that. And I've got uh, the Packers and the chiefs. And we have been robbed of a Rogers Mahomes Super Bowl for the last two years now. Yeah, we and need it. We I, need it. I, I, I hope we get it. Um, like you said, Nick, the most consistent team throughout the season in a crazy season will win the title. And I think Rogers finally breaks the curse. They have been the most consistent team this season, in the NFL. Um, I think that week one loss against the Saints, they bounce back from it tremendously well they lost to the chiefs by six points with jordan love starting um uh early in the season they lost to the vikings um following a perfect quarterbacking performance by kirk cousins and they lost to the lions in the final week of the season in a game that didn't matter at all i think they have been incredibly consistent um if they can get those defensive pieces back and healthy I think Aaron Rodgers finally breaks the curse, wins the MVP, and wins the Super Bowl this year in 2022. Okay, so we have one Green Bay, one Tampa Bay. I, as I've said, have the Packers going up against the Bengals. Uh, I have kind of picked the Bengals' miraculous somewhat run to the Super Bowl here. I think uh, the clock strikes midnight for them. I think uh, – Rodgers and the Packers experience gets the better of the Bengals. I think one early turnover from Burrow and Rodgers will put it, will go up two scores and it's just going to be too much. It's going to uh, dismantle anything the Bengals have had there and to fight back too much. Packers take advantage of it. I think Green Bay wins and I got, this is uh, Rodgers' last game in Green Bay. 
that is my personal uh, prediction is that this is his last game as a Packer and he is out after this from Green Bay. Uh, what that means, no one knows, could be traded, whatever. That is a discussion for another day, though. <laughs> um, last thought, though, uh, before we wrap up the episode, the long episode, might I add, uh, two years in a row of going toward clo- getting close to that two-hour mark. Um, last thought is what does everyone's note from the season? And this can be anything from big moment to kind of overall theme, um, anything you want it to be. Arjun, starting with you, what is your note from the season? This has been a crazy NFL season, especially on the AFC side. Um, You know, we saw people tweeting that we didn't know anything about the AFC until really the last couple of weeks that, that there were teams, you know, the chiefs started off really, really slow. We were like, are they done as a dynasty? Are they, are they finished? Have people figured out Mahomes? Mahomes answered that question and it's a resounding no. Um, I think with the craziness of the season, I picked a pretty run of the mill playoffs and I fully expect to be completely wrong on pretty much all of it, because that is, that is, that is just how great the season has been. And, and for the NFL to market it as, you know, the NFL's biggest season. Um, I think I read somewhere that the NFL had 48 of the 50 most viewed telecasts on television. Um, this year, which is, it just shows the league's dominance in this country. And, and again, that, that last game of the season is a testament to why we love it so much. And that, you know, super wildcard weekend, we're going to have six playoff games over the course of three days. And I expect pretty much all of them, except for probably, you know, the, the seven, two matchups to be gripping from, from start to finish. Um, because the, the parody in this, in this season has been off the charts and it's been, a real joy to watch. And I hope the playoffs deliver in a similar way. Uh, it's just continues to be all about quarterbacks, gentlemen. Uh, it, and it continues to get pushed on and on. Let's talk about, let's just run through the new playoff teams really quick. Dallas gets Dak back. Uh, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray takes the next step. Niners get Jimmy Garoppolo back from an injury. Eagles get Jalen Hurts stepping up his game year two. And then the other side of the field of, of the of the bracket, Joe Burrow takes a second next step in his second year. Derek Carr ultimately carries the Raiders to the playoffs. The Patriots pay all this money, and then really the most important thing was they drafted Mac Jones. Um, and then and those are the seven new teams. It's all about the change in their quarterback position from what they had last year. Um, it's going to continue to be like that. Um, I, I think the Packers. Uh, we Kyle just talked about it. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is a shoe in to go back there. There's going to be this huge trade market this off season. Um, I think they're going to be interesting to see what they do. And then again, I think in a draft that we've talked that I've said already once on this pod is not very good. Um, it's going to be a draft where the quarterback class isn't as good, but you're still going to see guys go high because the position is more important than it has ever been. And I don't sleep on taking your shots at quarterbacks regardless of who you are, just because it's so important to have those guys in the building, give yourself a shot to be good at the position and a bad roster like the Raiders can be a 10 win team and ultimately have a shot to win a playoff game this year, really. And I will wrap it up with, uh, you said quarterbacks matter. I think coaches matter. I think coaches, two most important things they are. And honestly, I think 
people have somewhat devalued how good certain coaches are. And you look at especially the three of note in my head are Tomlin, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick. I mean, the fact that the Patriots first, as we've said, made the playoffs, they played pretty well all year. The fact that they're there with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones and a team that honestly I'm shocked made it there is testament to how good he is as a coach for the Steelers. We already discussed Mike Tomlin. They shouldn't be where they are with that, but it's because of he, because of him, they're there. Uh, the Saints went nine and eight because Sean Payton somehow got us there. I mean, having Taysom Hill as your quarterback and Trevor Simeon as a quarterback and Ian Book for a week, I mean, it, it makes no sense. Sean Payton is a wizard, and there's always been these rumors, especially this year, of oh, the Bears might throw the kitchen sink to get Sean Payton to come back to Chicago. No, I don't want him to leave. That is, if anyone else leaves, that's fine. There's not Sean Payton because I know whatever team we put out there, he will make do with and will be good to go. Even the Raiders, Rich Basaccia, amazing. Mike Vrabel, the co- betting betting favorite for coach of the year. Like they dealt with numerous injuries. Their best player got hurt. The only player that everyone thought mattered to that team got hurt, and they were the other one seed. It's testament to how much coaches mean um, in this league, and we need to start remembering that. But this will wrap up the very long playoff and award show here on the Going Going Winner podcast. Our special guest, Nick Merriam. Nick, shout yourself out. Where can the people find you and your lovely work? It's on Twitter. Um, you can also find uh, my podcast, Apple and Bust Draft. Twitter, we're Bust the Draft Show. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever that is. Uh, you can find us anywhere episodes every week. We're starting to get them up twice a week going through a uh, scouting reports. We just put up an Aiden Hudson one. We got a mock draft coming this week, uh, which should be a fun one. We got a couple of hot takes in that one for you. Uh, we will be cranking through that content leading up to the draft. We're all focused on the off season. Anything you want this off season, we're going to have it at some point. Uh, I truly believe we're putting out some of the best stuff there is out there. So uh, if you're looking for just, you know, honestly, it's a good production too. We got, we got highlights and stuff going on in our videos. Come over to us on YouTube and we will, we'll, we'll give you the, the, uh, whatever high quality stuff we can give you on this offseason. There's just a lot going on. The draft's exciting. Free agency's exciting. Coaching search is exciting. And I'm sure that you will want someone breaking it down for you. You definitely will. And especially us Saints fans, it's going to be a very fun offseason for us um, with a, a weirdly high draft pick. Uh, picking number 18 is one we should be watching. Obviously, uh, the Saints offseason moves are going to be wild. Yes, we're over the cap, but to us, that means nothing. Um, the cap is is irrelevant. The Saints will be at 40 million under the cap in two weeks and will be able to sign everybody we want. Um, that's just how it works for us. Uh, this year has been different, but normal years, yeah, we'll be fine. Um, so check out Boomer Bust uh, with the lovely Nick Merriam. And that will do it for this episode of the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 60, part one, nearly a two-hour episode. We're getting close to what we did last year. I think we almost nailed it on the head how close we got time-wise. Check us out on Twitter, again, at Pod. We'll have all graphics and more up there about these episodes this one along with our transfer special for arsenal and soccer that will do it for myself from arjun from nick we will talk to you all later